0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning, posted Central Daylight Time at 9.30 every Sunday morning. And we do that to spread God's word as far as we can. Now we know that there are people in the Omaha area who might want to be in God's word, but they may not be able to get out and actually be with us physically at the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ every Sunday morning at 930. We also know there are people who want to be in a Bible study, but they may not feel uh, either comfortable health-wise or physically, or maybe they have some other hang-up about actually being with a, a, a congregation in a physical building. And so, We're thankful to be able to reach them through the medium of the internet by means of these podcasts. We know there are other people around the country and around the world who want to study God's word, but obviously because of their geographic location, they cannot be with us physically. So we're thankful that we can be with them and they can be with us through the medium of the internet by means of these podcasts as we get into God's word together. We're thankful to have this ability and opportunity and means to be able to teach God's word literally all over the world through the internet by means of these podcasts. If you're joining us from the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Now, our Bible classes begin every Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30, and then Sunday evening worship at 6 o'clock, and midweek Bible classes every Wednesday evening at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of our services. Come and get to know us better. Let us get to know you. Study with us, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us, at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. If you're listening in other parts of the country or around the world, we pray that these studies are helping you grow in your faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And so we're thankful to be able to teach God's word and our prayer is to help people grow in their faith and even come to God. There are many people out there who are learning, they're just learning the Bible. And they're learning what God wants them to do with that knowledge in obedience and dedication and 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 forgiveness. So we wanna help people get to heaven. We want, we're not interested in trying to get people's wallets. We just wanna help as many people as we can get to heaven. Share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means but share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, literally everybody you can. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. And encourage everyone you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on our podcast button, sign up for our podcasting. It is free, it always will be free. And then they will receive to their smart device all the time, regularly, every day, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, our Wednesday night Bible class, our daily radio program, Monday through Friday, search the scriptures. And the short, I, I think it's just a gem, only about 13 minutes each day so we can fit it into our busy schedules, today's Bible class, seven days a week today's bible class all of that will go to their smart device whichever one they choose so encourage everybody you can to sign up for our podcasting we're going to get back into our study in the book of numbers we have started in genesis chapter one and we have gone all the way through genesis in exodus we went through the first half of that particular book or so and then i started doing some skipping because in the second half of that book you start getting into some technical uh, teachings on the old testament law of moses and it talks about different kinds of laws and it talks about the construction of the tabernacle and so on and it just gets into some details that are not necessarily that conducive to this kind of a study and So I've left those texts for you to read on your own. And we continued that same practice as we went through Leviticus and now also in Numbers. But we're picking out, again, the individual texts within all of these books that really have a great deal of, of spiritual teaching for us that we can learn from and we can learn principles from that can help us to grow in our own spiritual lives. We're in chapter 24 of the book of Numbers right now, and we have been studying about the seer or the man of God, uh, I think we could say prophet at least to some extent, and his name was Balaam. We've noted that the people of Israel The Israelites, they're coming toward the end of that 40-year period of their wanderings, and I have characterized it really as piddling in the wilderness, so that the adult generations from 20 years old and up could die off because of their weak faith. When God first led them to the border of the promised land, and they were too afraid to go ahead and let God give them the victories over the enemies or the the inhabitants of that land who were idol worshipers, did not worship God, and so God just turned them back and told Moses, you know, go ahead and lead them through the wilderness. And that would be for another 40 years until that entire adult generation would, would die off. And then the children, the youthful generations would grow up and they would have stronger faith. And so God would bring them back to the promised land and they would be the ones who would demonstrate faith strong enough to go in and inhabit that land, fighting the battles driving out the inhabitants and or else destroying them in battles and taking the cities, taking the land, and God would divide that land up among the different tribes, the 12 tribes of the Israelites. Well, they're almost at that point right now. They're coming through the land of Moab. They have been coming through various lands or nations. They've been kind of sending word ahead to the kings of those nations and saying, we need to come through your land. We don't intend any trouble. We don't want to cause any problems. We just want peace. We're just going to run right through. And there have been two or three different kings who have said, no, no, no. They were afraid. They were afraid that they would come in and, and the Israelites being so numerous probably, again, within somewhere around one to three million in population, maybe even a little larger by this time. They were afraid that they are going to come and just take their land. So they sent their armies against them, and God defeated their armies. Now, the Israelite army would have to fight the battle, but God would give them the victory, and that's already happened uh, at least a couple of times. Now, they're coming to Moab, and Balak, the king of Moab, He looks out upon them, he sees this huge population of people traveling in his direction. And again, they intend no harm to Moab, no harm uh, to Balak, they intend to, to not conquer the land and take it over, but Balak is fearful that they might do exactly that. But he also knows what has happened to these other kings who tried to stop the Israelites, One by one, they lost their battles and the Israelites came through their land and and basically took them over. But that's not where they were intending to stay. They were still moving toward Canaan, the promised land, which would become the nation of Israel. So Balak, he decides on a different tack here. And so he tries to enlist the aid of Balaam a man of God, a seer, again, we could probably say even something of a prophet, at least at times. And so he tried to pay Balaam to look over this nation of Israel coming his way and curse them. And then Balak, his intent was to lead his army against them and defeat them in battle. Well, Balaam tells Balak, uh, I can only do what God tells me to do. I can only say what God tells me to say. And so he turns away the messengers from King Balak, the king of Moab, at first and tells them, "Now go back to your king, and tell him I can't do that. Well, Balak does not give up. He sends more influential or more, more uh, uh, prominent messengers to Balaam, and I think even a larger sum of money, and he still tries to, to buy his service to curse Israel. Well, Balaam, at this time, somewhere along the line, he becomes too tempted by the money that's being offered him, and he decides he's going to uh, do as Balak says. At least that is his ulterior motive. Well, God stops him on the way. God sent an angel to stand on the road and block the way of Balaam as he was riding along in his donkey. Balaam finally gets the message. He finally takes it to heart and he repents before God. But then God says, go ahead, go to Balak, the king of Moab, but only say what I tell you to say. And so Balaam arrives. Balak's happy. He thinks, hey, my plan's finally working. But we have read through the first three of Balaam's prophecies as he looked over Israel, and every time those prophecies were blessings from God. Well, Balak's not happy about that. Not happy about that. In verse 29 of chapter 23, where we left off, Balaam said to Balak, build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. Now Balaam has taken, or rather Balak has taken Balaam to another position to look over a portion of the Israelites, and he still wants Balaam to curse them for him. On every occasion, in every position, Balaam has said what he just said here, told Balak to do. You know, build seven altars, prepare seven bulls, seven rams. We're going to offer to God. See what he says. And so Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bull and a ram at every altar. Now the beginning of of chapter 24, this is the, this is next the, I'm sorry, we've read through two of Balaam's prophecies. Now this is the third prophecy. And now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to, to, uh, to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness and Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Now, he's he's simply going to say what God tells him to say. This is the third prophecy. Uh, Balak's not going to like this one either. He took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened. Huh. And finally, his eyes were opened, not just physically, but totally spiritually, because now he's, he's serving God. He's not going to be taken in by the, uh, the lust for money here any longer. He's going to simply do what God tells him to do. So the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob. Jacob? Uh, Jacob? Jacob? Another reference to Israel. Remember that Jacob was the father of the 12 sons who founded or their, their, their bloodline was the development of the 12 tribes of Israel. And remember that God at one point changed Jacob's name to Israel. And so here Balaam, he looks out upon the 12 tribes camped in their various settings and he says, "How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, Your dwellings, O Israel, Like valleys that stretch out like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour your, He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt, brought Israel out of Egypt through the leading of Moses. He has strength like a wild ox. Who has strength like a wild ox? The nation of Israel. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. (laughs) Balak, the king of Moab, is not liking what he's hearing here. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? Who shall rouse him? Now, this mighty beast, wild beast, we say the lion now is the king of the jungle. Well, who's who's going to take on a lion? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. Now, what was Balak looking for, the king of Moab? To pay Balaam a sum of money to curse Israel. And what is all that, all that Balaam is doing here, telling, saying out loud, pronouncing a prophecy, and a blessing upon Israel by God's direction, word by word, And he concludes that by saying, blessed is he who blesses you, who blesses who? Israel, the Israelites, and cursed is he who curses you. Well, Balak, the king of Moab, wanted Israel to be cursed. And so he certainly is not liking any of these prophecies from the man of God, Balaam. And this is the third one. Verse 10, Balak king of Moab, his response, then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam and he struck his hands together and Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. (laughs) Balak is unhappy now, it does not say, when it says he, he struck his hands together, does not say he struck Balaam. We might think of it as, as a really emotional clapping of his hands. He's drawing attention, maybe throwing something of a fit. He says, you know, look, I, I called you to curse my enemies. Well, he sees Israel as his enemy, but Israel has not come to battle against him. But he he knows that Israel has defeated these other kings and their armies when they refuse to let the Israelites just pass through in peace, pass through their lands. Now, Balak, he sees them and he fears this is a mighty people out there. And so he wants Balaam, the man of God, to curse them. Balaam instead, by God's direction, three times now he has blessed them and prophesied For their ultimate victory. I called you to curse my enemies, and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. Verse eleven, now therefore, flee to your place. I said I would give I would greatly honor you, but in fact the Lord has kept you back from honor. Now is is Balak challenging or putting down God here? Is he criticizing God for holding Balaam back from cursing the Israelites, which Balak wanted him to do? So Balaam said to Balak, did I not also speak to your messengers whom you sent to me, saying, if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond what the word of the Lord to do good or bad of my own will, what the Lord says, that I must speak. Didn't I tell your messengers to carry that message to you? And now, indeed, I am going to my people. Come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days. Oh, Balaam's not just walking away. After Balak says, just get out of here. He's... he's <laughs> At his wit's end, he's at the end of his patience with Balaam. He's trying to pay Balaam to curse Israel because Balak sees Israel as an enemy, and three times Balaam has blessed Israel by God's direction. And so he, Balak says, just get out of here. But Balaam's not walking away at this point. He tells Balak the king, uh, listen. I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days let me tell you what's coming for you what's going to happen to your people and this is balaam's fourth prophecy so he took up his oracle and said the utterance of balaam the son of baor and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened still speaking of himself The utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Oh, interesting, interesting. He's talking about a time when the Israelites will rise up and batter the brow of Moab, destroy all the sons of Tumult. So the Israelites are going to defeat the Moabites. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also, his enemies, shall be a possession while Israel does valiantly, out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Hmm. Balak is really not liking what he's hearing now. He's, he's hearing utter defeat ultimately at the hands of Israel against his people. Verse 20, Balaam goes on. Then he looked on Amalek and he took up his oracle and said, Amalek was first among the nations, but shall be last until he perishes. Then he looked on the Kenites, and he took up his oracle and said, Firm is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rocks. Talking about their geographic location. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned. How long until Asher carries, away, carries you away captive? Oh, no, one by one, he's talking about these who would become enemies of Israel who would be brought to their own destruction at the hands of Israel by God's guidance and blessing and power. Then he took up his oracle and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from the coasts of Cyprus, and they shall afflict Asher, and afflict Eber, and so shall Amalek until he perishes. So Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place. So after this fourth prophecy, after Balak, the king, had said, just get out of here. I don't want to hear any more. I wanted you to curse them, you're blessing them. Three times, you're blessing them. Balaam says, oh, not yet. Let me give you another blessing. Let me give you another prophecy. What's going to happen? And he goes through this list. All these peoples, including yours, are going to be defeated by this people, Israel, whom you wanted me to curse. And so verse 25, last verse in 24th chapter So Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place. Balak also went his way. So they both part company and they go back to their places, back to their homes. Balak, back to his palace. Balaam, back to his home. You see, God is all-powerful. And no one can stand against god no one now can people curse god sure can people deny god's existence of course many people do can people somehow bring god down absolutely no way can people destroy god no impossible Because God is Almighty. Almighty. God is God. And God loves us as humanity. And He wants us to be with Him in heaven for all of eternity. A place a whole lot better than this world. Why would anyone deny God? Why would anyone stand against God? Why would anyone? count themselves as, as an enemy of God. We need to recognize God's will as being the best way for us. He loves us so much, he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price through his physical life, the shedding of his physical blood for the guilt of our sins so that we could have the opportunity To be forgiven through him as our Savior and Lord. And to have eternal life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And that's forever. A place where there is no more pain or suffering or sickness or dying or crying. That's what God wants for every one of us. How foolish, how utterly foolish To stand against God That Is a life of ultimate Sure Personal Self-defeat Let's open our eyes And come to God Let's pray Father in heaven You are all powerful But you are also All loving All caring You are the blessing giver You are gracious and you're patient, giving us time to learn and come to you in repentance through Jesus Christ. Please, please help us, Father, to do exactly that and help people all over the world to do exactly that, Father. Open their eyes and help them open their hearts, we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.